week on Young Nostalgia, we're reaching for the stars. Welcome to the observatory. Let's take a look. Hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, the best, the one, the only, the legend, Ben Somsack is not actually sitting next to me today. Um, he didn't shower. So, Ben, how are you doing today, big guy? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, have you been working on that uh, that intro all week? Uh, that one was pretty deep. You have to admit, that was the most put-together professional intro I have done in a very long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it just sounded like it was you know, put together just a little bit more than you know, five minutes beforehand. Right, right, which is weird because I was panicking when that intro music started. <laughs> Nailed it. Right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're continuing our movie recommendation extravaganza with Interstellar, my first recommendation to Ben after The Thing last week. The this thang. week, episode... <laughs> the Thang. <laughs> Dang, girl. You got The Thing. Sorry, what that thing do? <laughs> you watch... Uh, shake your... You watch sh- new, new Girl? Your- That's from New Girl. Oh, no. I, I like Old Girl better. Oh, okay. That's a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> We're so dumb. Episode 106, <laughs> all about Interstellar, Ben's first take on the movie. I've watched it, I don't know, I'd probably say four or five times at this point, but very good. It is kind of a lot. It's a chunk. It's a big chunk of a movie, so I don't watch it very often, but when I do, it's a good experience. It's like so a, it's like a three hour movie. So you've devoted it a is. large portion of your life to watching that movie. If you've watched it three, four or five times. Right. Imagine how productive I could have been in those 15 hours, <laughs> but just chose not to be. Well, I wasn't going to say it, but now that you did. Okay. <laughs> See, now that you bring that to light, like, gosh, man, I'm a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, all right. I have anyway. definitely watched. Oh boy. I uh, adjusted something very bad on my microphone okay we're back <laughs> sorry for everyone's eardrums yeah um for whatever it may be i said uh, that's that's all right i mean i've watched the godfather trilogy oh man way more than five or six times that's true so that's true well, i've devoted well, the fifth my element life. the is fifth a- element is just over two hours so okay yeah so it's safe to say we're both bums yeah, pretty much. Okay. Combine that together. I'm surprised we even record every week. <laughs> so Yeah, how do we squeeze uh, in anything around all this nonsense? I know. Uh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I think that's just it. I mean, the movie is long. Our takes might be long. What do you think? Should we just get into it? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Hey, yo, episode one hundred and six of the Young Nostalgia podcast. So I'm guessing we're going to do this the same way we did uh, The Thing, where we'll do just Ben's overall impressions, what he thought about the movie, and then I'll interject with my stuff just because it was my recommendation. I've definitely seen the movie a lot more. So we'll do that (laughs) first. But first, an overview of Interstellar. Anybody who uh, has not heard or has not watched this movie, if you plan to and in the near future, please feel free take a break. Spend three hours of your day, watch this movie, come back, spend three hours of your day listening to this podcast. Um, 
<laughs> so anyway, great movie. Here we go. Interstellar, a 2014 epic science fiction film directed, co-written, and produced by the one and only Christopher Nolan, best known for uh, movies like Inception, as well as the Batman franchise of Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Um, it stars a star-studded cast of Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica K- uh, Chastain, Bill Irwin, Ellen Burstyn, Matt Damon, and Michael Caine. Set in a dystopian future where humanity is struggling to survive, the film follows a group of astronauts who travel through a wormhole out near Saturn in search of a new home for all of mankind. That's the backdrop. That is Interstellar. It's an amazing movie. Nice hat. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you should just be like behind a freaking um, like a Volvo truck or something. I was trying to think. Uh, truck driver. Peterbilt. Peterbilt. You need to be behind a Peterbilt. <laughs> it goes really well with the new Pit Viper sunglasses I just got too. They're, right. They're plaid. Oh plaid? Yeah, plaid, man. They're called party and plaid. Mean, <laughs> hashtag i mean i love i love plaid don't get me wrong but that's that's funny no they're good they're good man um right i have i have plaid tattooed on my body your whole body's plaid yes that's true that's yeah. very true this is a this is an audio only format so we could like it could go either way they've gone to plaid <laughs> another great movie oh All right, ben. man we need to do like Kick a us off. review on that <laughs> Well, actually, what we should do is just do like our takes of Spaceballs of like literally just quoting the whole movie the entire time. I'm pretty sure we could. That yeah, and pretty much anything. Mel Brooks. We could do Spaceballs. Uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh God. Blazing Saddles. So good. <laughs> All right, man. Dickinson, so, we're talking about Interstellar right now. What's what's up? Uh, oh yeah, we are. I am on the <laughs> wrong show notes here. <laughs> what? Oh, did you go to like last week's or something? I don't even know what I was. I think I had went to last week's before, but somehow I'm on the Elton John show notes right now. Oh my God. Okay, we're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I guess uh, I'll start off with I absolutely loved it. I cannot believe loved that it's it. taking me from 2014 to 2020 to finally watch this movie. Fantastic. Oh, I love it. Um, that's awesome and, and I like how both of our first suggestions were just hits with the other person <laughs> good yeah stuff. yeah I like it I, I think I'm a little bit skeptical on my choice for you for the second movie you may or may not like that one okay but okay. for these first two yeah I think we both knocked them out of the park um, so I really enjoyed it that being said I was super skeptical in the first 10 to 20 minutes I'll say okay and that's because any movie that starts off with either a global catastrophe or the after, like the dystopian aftermath of some sort of global catastrophe, it already kind of puts me on edge. Really? Um, it does. And it's it's more of a, a personal me thing that it, it's not that there are bad movies or anything. It's, I'm, <clears throat> I just want to be gentle about it. The, uh. I hate movies that are all about like climate change and man is destroying the planet and that sort of stuff. Okay. They, okay. Just that kind of stuff just grinds my gears. And so, um, when it first started off that I thought, okay, great. They're going to go on a tirade about this for a while. And, but it, they, they never did. They never explain any of it. They never go more into depth about it. They never, there's never any comments about, 
you know, with any sort of political leanings either way about it. And so as soon as I realized that they're not going to go into that, I was perfectly fine. I was right back on board and loving okay. every minute of it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but I was a little, I will say I was a little bit worried going into it just cause it's, it's one of those things where it, I'm tired of seeing it in Hollywood movies. And so as soon as there's a, you know, a preview for a movie, it's like, oh, I'm not watching that. Cause I don't feel like being grumpy the whole time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. So, right. um, well, that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad it was okay enough for you to, to get through the beginning. And yeah. Part yeah. Of and it, it's, so. and it wasn't anything that, immediately even chapped me at all about it it was just i was just in the back of my head of like oh boy i hope it doesn't turn into this just and nervous it didn't yeah. and i was just fine it was it was fantastic from there on out so right ah uh, my notes are very very jumping around where do i want to go next with this so i guess i'll go down to i also really enjoy space stuff in general and space exploration and the, you know, I'll borrow something from Star Trek, the final frontier kind of mentality where it's that, you know, you're pretty much venture out into space and you're on your own and either you make it through or you don't. Um, right. And I enjoy that a lot. Uh, one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie, I don't watch a ton of space movies. I don't watch a ton of movies in general. Um, but I do watch a lot of document space documentaries, pretty much every one of them that comes up on Hulu and Netflix I watch. And this reminded me a lot of them, basically like a live action version of a documentary for a little while, which I really enjoyed. Um, that's awesome. And that kind of is killing two birds with one stone here with, I enjoyed how I'll say valid the science of the movie is, um, there's, now there's a caveat to this. It gets a little bit out there towards the end, but right. For the, I was just about to say, like, at any point, do you did you feel like disconnected with um, it? So, like, I, what at what point? So obviously, this is this entire show, just like the last one's going to be full of spoilers. Um, so I guess the the main disconnection point from like uh, uh, a realistic mindset. Uh, would be when Cooper uh, ends up going into the black hole. He crosses the event horizon. Okay. Um, okay. And so that whole uh, he's he's inside of the black hole, and it's actually he's he's in like a fifth dimension where he's looking at multiple time periods, all centered around his daughter's bedroom. That mm-hmm. was where it lost me a little bit. I mean, I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong; like I enjoyed the movie, and I like that part. It just it broke down a little bit of that realism that the, the science had set up right. in the rest of the movie. Um, right. as well, it's, it's just so, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like interrupt. I mean, I, I think the whole movie is brilliant and I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up because that's exactly the point that I, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, eh, about that part, everything else, perfect. But I'm like, out of all the people in the world, it was, it was Cooper to be able to detach for one, be in that environment for two, that he knows the connection of that fifth dimension with the bookcase. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I start to think like, well, what if it was somebody else? Would they have a different connection in time if they entered the wormhole? Right. You know? Yeah. No, I I, I do. But but the movie was so formed around that central point of the story at the end 
that nothing I feel like would have worked out the same way, which makes sense. I mean, time is weird, but right, right, and and it's um, in that aspect of the movie, like I I like it. It all makes sense. There's it was done well. I have no problems with it. But at that specific point in the movie, it went from a semi plausible space adventure movie, right, straight to science fiction. In my right, opinion, it, right. it kind of crossed genres of the entire movie at that exact point. I'm with you. That um, makes sense. That's a good way to explain it. Which, like I said, it was good. It just it threw me off a little bit, and it kind of just took me a minute or two to get back into it. Um, right. And, uh, but leading up to that, what I, I I really liked. I mean, there's the time dilation. There's the the realistic space travel where they're not just, you know, I, I, they're not just. Oh, we're going to warp there. We'll be to Saturn in two hours. You know what I mean? Right. You know, right, it, it took right. them just two years just to get across the solar system, which is extremely relevant to what the average person would understand about current time space travel. Right. Um, and, and that's what's nice, too, is that like the movie did not shy away about how much time has passed. Like they literally like everything, this whole movie is based around time. Right. So they weren't shy to be like, Oh, we're going down for the long nap, which, you know, the movie will actually take you along. Like not the camera's not just going to sit there while they're in these cryo freeze zones for two years. But you know that when they wake up, it's, it's literally two years later. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, they do it in such a way, this isn't necessarily the direction I was going to go, but I, I, I think it's better than my direction. The, uh, They do it in such a way that they don't have to explicitly say, you know, oh my gosh, two years have passed. You know what I mean? You know, right, right, they, right. They, they talk about it sometimes, they show it in others. Uh, I think one time they just, they just showed the... Uh, basically the the children of cooper grown up um and they use that yes. to pretty much just they didn't explicitly say how much time had passed they just showed that they were older mm-hmm. and so I, there was kind of a nice continuity there that wasn't broken up by just explicitly saying this happened and then two years later this happened and then four years right. later this happened um they showed it to us rather than explained it to us Exactly. And like, I feel like the perfect example is based around my whole favorite like scene sequence of the film. So Cooper and the gang uh, finally get through the wormhole. They're in the new galaxy. And then now they're starting to scope out the potential planets um, for possible future inhabitation of the humankind and the race. And so they go down to a place called Miller's Planet. And the thing about that is that the planet itself is close enough to the black hole or like the the central part of this new galaxy they call Gargantua um, that the gravitational pull is so strong so it messes with time. So one hour on Miller's planet is actually seven years on Earth. So what happens is that they actually go down and it's just a water-filled planet, nothing there for anybody. And... If you do the math, it's freaking crazy that like 30 minutes is like three years Mm -hmm. when they're down on this planet. So when they land, they find out that these beacons that were transmitting saying, hey, this planet is possibly habitable by the last expedition. What really gets me is when when Anne Hathaway does the math and she's like, well, 
Dr. Miller, who landed here to transmit coordinates, actually just crashed literally minutes ago on the planet. Mm-hmm. Because they, the the whole they got there and they were so surprised. How like how on earth could there be all this wreckage? How come it hasn't mm-hmm. spread out because of the tidal forces of the water? Why is it still broadcasting ten years or right. however many years later? And then they had the realization that they made an, a crazy huge math error. That mm-hmm. you know they had sent this exploration team out ten years prior, so right. that would have been two years to get to the wormhole. Um, a little bit of time to get from the wormhole in the other galaxy to get from the wormhole to this planet. So we can say three to four years. That means that uh, there would have been, in Earth time, it would have been on the planet for five to six years. Right. Which would have been, which would have made it, like you just said, in the uh, Miller's planet time, it would have been less than an hour since it had crashed and they right, had this which is so nuts they had this huge realization that holy cow all of our calculations have been wrong so far mm-hmm. um i guess the calculations were right they had just left out a huge variable right and like the what 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 really makes this my favorite scene is we keep on talking about music but this movie i feel like does something really interesting with music is that one the music is almost tied to like the enemy of the time, right? So enemy, I feel like in this whole thing is time. Mm-hmm. Like they're working against time and the music is ramped up in this scene because with the huge gravitational pull, there are just like numerous tidal waves on Miller's planet. And so the music is actually kind of like this rhythmic, very suspenseful ticking. Like, do, 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 mm-hmm. do you remember that? And how just like stressful it was. But I get so engrossed in it because the enemy is time working against them and then the music kind of signifies that time yeah and And i was like this is crazy you know and and to be to be really honest i was so sucked into this movie that i didn't necessarily pay direct attention to the music of the movie i do know what you're talking about on this planet but i was so engrossed in other aspects that i don't really recall much of the music but i will say that in times where time was where time was super <laughs> crucial um, into the music that seemed like they almost incorporated like a second hand on a clock ticking. That's what it really sounded like. Mm-hmm. Um, almost right, like right, they were right. like they tried to bring the consciousness of the characters that were constantly thinking we got to be quick. We got to be quick. We got to keep on track of the time. And they right. put that into the music to also instill that into the uh, into the audience because it not only was it a second hand clicking, but it was definitely faster than a second hand clicking. Like it was kind of like, sp- like subconsciously speeding your mind up, like mm-hmm. to put you in that place, which I thought was really cool. Right, and it's like even though the scene itself isn't like fast, right? Like it's not a fast paced scene, but the music makes it seem like there is so much going on in such little time. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. They do a very good job. Of that kind of stuff. So I feel like the music, even though, like, obviously this was your first time watching, so you weren't necessarily consciously listening to that. I feel like the music is what made it pull all together. Mm -hmm. And just to go a little bit farther on the crazy, the craziness of the time dilation in the movie, the, um, they were, I don't, they don't, they never explicitly said it, but they were down there 
definitely no not more than two hours on the planet surface on that planet's time um right it was definitely not more than two hours i can't remember exactly off the top of my head what time they were shooting for um it might have even been actually less than an hour that what they were actually yeah. shooting for um right. but they went back up and oh gosh what was the uh what was the character's name who stayed on the station mm. oh boy can't remember Crap. Anyway, they get back there, and because he experienced even different time because he was orbiting the planet. Right. Um, and so he was periodically coming closer to the black hole. 23 years had passed. 23 so, years that he was on this ship, yeah. In, in his per- perspective, he was getting closer to the black hole as well as circling away from it, so time was moving faster in relation to the planet's surface as well. Um, so to him, when they get back there, it ta- he talked about how he had lost hope that they were even coming back because 23 years had passed for him. Right. And so and so that kind of just brings us all around this circle of conversation of time in the movie and how that's been just a big enemy throughout the entire thing. But your point to they use the movie to like show how time has passed. And that is like right when they open the seal and get back on their flagship or whatever, that crewman like has a gray beard and he's like, you know, he's definitely weary and talks about how many times he went down in cryo sleep mm-hmm. just to pass the time. Yeah, it said he was he was in cryo sleep a lot and uh, he kept waking up, checking, waking up, checking. And finally, it had been so many years that he had he had pretty much lost hope that they were coming back and just decided that he wasn't going to be in cryo sleep anymore. More. And if he had to just live out his life, then he was. Right. Um, which is there was a ton of that morbidity in this movie too of you know we might end up kind of wild on accident just because of time dilation dilation we might end up just kind of wiling away so much time that a we're gonna die on this space station because of the time it takes to travel and the the time passing or b they're gonna be gone so long that everyone we know and love is gonna be dead and we're only gonna be aged a couple years right um so with that what so did this movie grip you in the way of like how would you how would you make a decision to go out and fly up into space to do this in completely almost uncharted territory what would your thought oh, process be I am so like, could you bring yourself to do it I am so glad you brought this up because one of the things that I wanted to talk about and I I want to answer your question but I want to kind of round about to it if that's all okay. right So one of the notes I had was there was some great examples of basic human nature in this movie. Okay. Um, and they, and Dr. Uh, or I'm sorry, Professor Brand actually talked about it as well. Um, about how this was in his explanation of plan A and plan B. And his okay. decision to have basically a fabricated plan A so that plan B would eventually be the outcome. Um, okay. And so explaining what those are, plan A on the whole mission was basically they're going to go out, they're going to try to be as fast as possible so that no the, the minimal amount of years on Earth pass. Um, they're going to go out, they're going to look for a habitable planet and then come back and then deal with trying to either move the population or establish a colony or whatever. Um, mm-hmm out there and the whole point of plan a was that they were going to return 
and they're going to, uh, Cooper's going to see his family again. That's how they got him sucked in, um, right. is that he would eventually make it back to his family and his family would be safe. Um, but in reality, uh, this was all kind of a ploy by Professor Brand because he couldn't, he couldn't solve the equations needed for that mission. He couldn't solve the time dilation problem. Um, right. So, okay, so plan B was always going to be they're going to take out uh, fertilized embryos with them and basically start a colony that way. That was going to be the plan B. Mm-hmm. If they can't get back or if they've spent too much time as it is, then they're going to have to make a judgment call to just start their own colony and move on and give up hope of ever returning home. Right. Now, obviously, that would not go over super well, A, with the rest of the population on Earth. Uh-huh. And B, with the crew. Uh, right. Crew's not going to want to be involved in a mission like that, uh, for the most part. Um, and they were, and they already talked about how the, this NASA program was su- basically a secret program because there was no more public support for space exploration. It was more of a, hey, we need to focus on surviving here. Um, right. And so he, al- he didn't want to upset any already bad public opinion about space exploration uh, by proposing this plan B where we basically doom everyone on the planet just to start a new colony and keep the species alive. He was playing on that human instinct of like, we need to not waste resources on that. We need to waste resources right now and keep ourselves alive. Right. Um, and that being said, I guess to kind of circle back to your uh, question... I guess it would really depend. I mean, it's it's all if we want to look at it realistically where plan B was the plan all along. I mean, that's a that's a hard thing to ask of of anybody. You know, I mean, it sounds all right. noble and easy decision to make right now where it's like, "Oh, of course I would sacrifice myself and the crew to keep the species alive." But would you? Would you really? Right. Especially right. in in Cooper's scenario where he wants to come back even if humanity is doomed like do you want them to just all die or do you want to go back and die with your family you know what i mean mm-hmm. right and so i don't necessarily ah, i mean that's i don't know that i could give a straight answer because the obvious answer is yeah you keep humanity alive but i think being realistic exactly. i think few people would would be able to make that conscious decision right it oh gosh i like i don't know man I, th- I think me as a human being, I would break. Even if I made the decision to go, if I was out there and at the point that we learn of the gravity and the time difference from Miller's planet, the first planet we'd get to, mm-hmm. I'd say I'm over. I'd break. I'd freak out. I'd go I'd go into the trash ejection and just go out and be like, nope, I'm over it. <laughs> Um, and i guess i mean i kind of like dr man kind of fits in there as well that's that's a good point so yeah is there anything like over overarching that you kind of want to like discuss before we before we talk about that or did you want to talk about dr man since it kind of fits into the same kind of mold um The, no. These movie reviews are very much all over the place. They, yes, but. they are. No, we can definitely go into Dr. Man. A couple of the points I have are going to be fairly quick. So, Okay, that's that's perfect, man. Don't you worry. So Dr. Man kind of fits into this 
equation talking about plan A and plan B as well. Um, so he was leader of the Lazarus mission, which was the uh, the mission that had happened that was launched 10 years prior in search of a habitable world. Um, right. So they wake him up. He's crazy happy to be see another human face again. He had got given up hope. Uh, and basically put himself into an indefinite cryo sleep. Uh, he didn't set a wake time. He'd figured he's going to sleep until equipment fails and he dies, or he's going to sleep until someone comes and finds him, whether it's next year or it's 100 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he was part of the select few individuals who understood that there was no plan A. Um, right. Based on that, and also based on he was kind of borderline kooky anyway, just from being out there by himself for so long. Right, right. Um, he and he and Cooper obviously did not see eye to eye <laughs> because uh, man understood that there is no plan A. Cooper's his whole means to an end was we find it, we go home. Exactly, Um, exactly. And so Dr. Man basically ends up trying to kill him and commandeer the ship uh, because he knew that his, he actually, there was some, some of this human instinct we were talking about fits into him as well because his plan, he knew that there was no chance of habitation on that world. He was sending back fake information the whole time. Right. uh, With the sole intent of luring uh, the crew there, um, either commandeering or I, I don't know what he expected when he let the rest of the crew know. I don't like, obviously they're going to either lock him up or kill him or something like, right. I don't know what his thought process was on that, but either way, whether he had to commandeer the ship or he would get the crew basically like, Hey, we need to pack all this stuff up and leave. We need to go find a new place. And basically instead of, it was understood on that initial mission that if you don't find anything, then you're on your own. Sorry. Like, mm-hmm. bad luck for you because um, no one's coming. Right. So he decided that he was going to fake all this information um, so that someone would come pick him up and then have to go find one of the other habitable planets. Right. Um, right. And so there was... It, he had kind of been there. He had been there so long. He, I mean, he totally cracked. I mean, that was the... That was that, uh, you know, sacrifice for the mission or save yourself kind of thing we were talking about that it definitely it broke him down and he fabricated this whole thing and ended up, um, I think, yeah, he well, he didn't almost kill someone. He almost killed Cooper and he killed the uh, the other member of the crew that the guy couldn't mm-hmm. remember his name. Um, yeah, because he, he rigged it to blow. Yeah, he had sabotaged up. It was that other uh, robot companion that he had with him. And yep. it doesn't really explain it, but I would assume that there was data stored in his memory that would pr- that would prove his faking of statistics. Right, right. Um, which is crazy. And Yeah, and so he, he locked it out, and if anyone tried to open up the memory banks on that robot, it was rigged to self-destruct, and it ended up killing him and, and uh, destroying part of the lab as well. Right. Oh, and also, like, once this movie started, started, Michelle was like, when does this take place? And we found out 2067. 
Okay. So this movie starts, it starts in 2067. But those well, that, robots in this movie are amazing. I absolutely love the robots, man. They're like my favorite characters. Well, and they do. They they really, it was kind of funny because the robots themselves are the comedic element of the movie. They are. They, they're kind of like the emotion deflecting kind of things you know like almost like they're programmed to handle people in this high stress situation of just going into space and doing this mission yeah i mean like like right off the bat when they launch they were there to kind of like lighten the mood right and they talked about how they're programmed with different parameters like different they, they each have their own honesty and humor settings and everything and right and uh there's been mentioned several at several points in time where like hey you need to bump that humor setting down a little bit or, right 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 <laughs> you know and stuff like that uh but i'm glad you brought up the 2066 because that's one of my notes that i have here is uh they never really explain the time frame of the movie mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we can kind of infer that it's not super far off from present day um, obviously just by looking at the state that earth is in. Um, right. But one thing I was thinking about is just using the references to baseball. We were able to kind of yeah. figure out time frame of the movie because, um, that's interesting. I did not pick up on that. And yeah. Yeah. And so they're, they're talking about, uh, what was the initial quote? It's something about Donald, oh. they went to a baseball game. Donald said something about, uh, boy, who are these bums out here? This is horrible. This is what we call baseball now. Um, right, was right. talking about how he had real ball players back in his day, blah, 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 indicating that he grew up in a relatively current time frame. Which is crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, But then Coop was talking about how when he was growing up... <coughs> Oh, Ben is currently having a coughing, coughing spell. Uh, everything is everything okay? I and, think and I have, your mic is complete. It's unmuted. It's unmuted, right? Yeah, yeah. I muted it and okay, then unmuted cool. it. All right. Uh, yeah, a little bit of beer went down the wrong, wrong pipe. Uh, so Coop was talking about how, well, in my day, we didn't really have time to worry about baseball because we were dealing with trying to find food with a worldwide famine. Okay, so then now we were able to figure out that. Between Donald and Coop's life, there was some sort of tragedy that happened. And then obviously mm-hmm. they're kind of sort of on their way to a rebound. They're in the aftermath of that in the current time of the movie. Um, right. And so I was able to just kind of basically assume that it was several, quote, unquote, several generations from present day. Right. Which pretty right. much lines up with 2066. Right. And even like you can assimilate... So baseball, right? Americans' pastime, it's awesome. The game that they went to was a Yankees versus something else. And it was held in like a baseball field that you would have at like a playground. Yeah. it was, And it's just interesting to see the change of that where something, some sort of, you know, popular thing in the world is so radically different that money literally cannot be spent to keep it up. Right. So it's exactly. definitely interesting. Yeah, I did I did find that interesting too. And they made a very concerted effort to do a, a close up shot of like I think it was the pitcher um uh-huh. showing the New York Yankees 
logo right. on the hat. So they, they obviously had tried very hard to put that imagery into the movie. Um, right. So, yeah, I'm glad right. I'm glad you brought that up. That was kind of a big point that I had was trying to figure out exactly what the time frame of the movie was. Right. And also to kind of like piggyback off of this, we both wrote this note, but I thought this really caught me by surprise. Maybe I don't know why it caught me by surprise so much this round, but maybe it's just been a hot minute since I've watched it. But it really caught me by surprise in, in how different and how far things have come because because of the famine, this thing called the blight is what it's killing crops. It, like it just kills crops. So the only crop that can currently be grown in this period is corn. So when people are in school, instead of taking the ACT and all that stuff, you actually take tests to indicate whether you're actually eligible for college because you hold enough potential to even fit in any other job. So if you don't fit in anywhere, you're a farmer, bottom line, because mm -hmm. they need people to farm because there's no food. But in this whole school scene, they talk about how science doesn't matter. And that space travel is a waste. All we do as Americans, as human beings, it put, is put waste into space. And we can't waste our time focusing on that when we have problems here on Earth. So they are teaching kids that the moon landings, everything, NASA, a hoax. Everything's a waste of time in terms of space travel. And so that kind of lights a fire underneath Coop to do this, you know, as well. So I thought that was kind of interesting and in how that has changed. And they and even like government-issued textbooks are writing that. Like brand-new textbooks are saying that all of this is a hoax. Yes. So it's interesting. That, that scene made me so angry. Right. Uh, and it's definitely something that we see a lot. Because, I mean, any... I mean, it's not really the same thing at all, but uh, in oppressive regimes, you know, in different countries, um, especially when there are famines and, and that sort of thing, that's the kind of thing that we do see. There is mm -hmm. huge uh, propaganda that is pushed to change public opinion for a specific means. Right. And so that's, you know, a government, you know, pushing that, uh, the space program, this or this or whatever science is a hoax, is not something that is unrealistic at all. It happens all the time, every day. Um, right. And that's one of the things that, I mean, it just got me a little bit fired up watching the movie. Um, just, I mean, not just the moon landing thing. I mean, uh, <laughs> the people who believe we fake the moon landing grind my gears anyway. <laughs> Um, refer to the conspiracy theories episodes i think our first one yes exactly um and so yes that definitely and it wasn't a made me angry because they put it in the movie it was a just an overall angry that this happens like it that it actually right. happens right and then like you know i mean the whole beginning of the film you kind of they gear you up to like get tied in with the character coop right mm -hmm. cooper which is matthew mcconaughey but I feel like this is the point that I really start connecting with them because on the way to school, they have that whole thing with the uh, like military satellite, uh, military drone, right? Mm -hmm. So then you see this sparkle 
in Coop's eyes. And something's reignited where it's like his passion for science, technology is just ignited. So they go off, drive through cornfields with a flat tire trying to pick this up. And like he's just in the time of his life. And then they come to school and then he's even more fired up with how school is even being taught where he had no idea this is actually what's happening. So you're kind of like getting tied into the character of Cooper being so passionate about this whole thing because that was his life growing up even though those problems starting to happen. Um, he he loves science. He loves everything to do with space travel, everything. So then you start getting you know, emotionally tied to the character of Cooper. And I feel like the way that you're saying you're getting fired up really got you going to be like, let's go, Cooper. We need to fix this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, exactly. And I like it made me angry, but I'm glad they put it in because of what you said. Like it does make you connect with him a little bit because you're, you're getting part of the reason why you're getting mad is because he's getting so mad. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought up his, uh, his passions as well, because one of the, one of the questions I had throughout the movie was <laughs> his past career was what appeared to be like a military or, uh, some sort of government agency test pilot it never super explains it he's probably associated Mm -hmm. with nasa but nasa also has their hands in some overall just regular terrestrial flight as well right Um, right right but he's a test pilot and obviously he's super into the science and the space travel and all that stuff anyway but i was wondering what the connection was between test pilot and his assumed qualifications as a space travel expert or an astrobiologist right Um, right. obviously he would be a good choice to pilot the mission that's undisputed but once he's on the mission it seems like he's making an awful lot of judgment calls an awful lot of decision making that i don't they don't necessarily explain his qualifications for the amount of (laughs) input that he has on some of the decisions. Does that make sense? Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) Especially with like a whole test pilot thing. Like I'm pretty sure he even said that he never really got into space. Right. Per se. He just knew a lot of like the ins and outs, what could go wrong with a space shuttle. Um, And, and, and I mean, I don't have the answer to that. Good. This is a good way to like kind of wrap up the discussion of being like, what? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the movie's great, but also what made me like wince and kind of shake my head is when he finally decides, tells Murph goodbye that he's going on this expedition, like he literally drives his truck to NASA, then all of a sudden they're launching. And like, I can't remember what exactly what example it was, but there is something that says they literally just launched. Like they had no training, like Coop yes. had no training in this whole like how to dock what is what do you what to expect up there when you're on mm-hmm. um the endurance right it was, i think it was called the endurance yes that was the, the space like, station that they docked to right and it's like he 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 had nothing he literally got put in the pilot seat of this shuttle to do this expedition that he has no idea about yes and then and then they just go like that NASA NASA astronauts have years of training. A, I mean, a lifetime of training. Like their right. their lives are dedicated to being astronauts, right? Just and, to and go I up get that, like, and not even leave in, orbit, pretty much. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and like I get that they're in like dire, extreme circumstances. But if they knew the risks of 
time, what is like another year of training Coop to do? Or even a couple months, anything. Like, yeah, right. you know, right. even even if they did make it back according to plan A, it's going to be years and years and years down the road. Couldn't they afford just a couple months? Yep. Um, but yep. Uh, but yes, I, Coop is the extreme example of that. But they never actually even talk about the qualifications of anyone else. There's Dr. Brand. <laughs> there's the other crew members yeah. that they never said it at all. But I just the feeling that I got is that none of them have been necessarily in space either. Right. Now, they might have been qualified right. scientifically. Um, for the mission, you know, they had the biologists, there's the physicist, um, you know, they're qualified in that way, but they, ne- they still never talked about them actually being in space. So this entire crew, we can assume, including the pilot who should be the most technical about the equipment that he's using <laughs> right. are going in a hundred percent cold on this humanity saving mission, right? which was right. a little bit, I, I wasn't. When I was first watching this, I had not really thought about the rest of the crew until now. I was thinking only about what you said about Coop. When I got to think about it more now, I'm like, okay, so that's in a movie where there's not a ton of plot holes. That's definitely one. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And like, you know what? We're not one to judge the characters. Overall, good movie. Yes. Ben, anything else before we give our ratings and move on to the closings? No, I think uh, I definitely, definitely it's worth a watch. I really enjoyed it. I will definitely be watching it again. It's a it's a movie that you will have to watch several times. It's a very technical movie. But that being said, it's not hard to grasp. There's a lot of movies that mm-hmm. are on the same lines as this, same relative subject matter, but you're lost the entire time. And this was not the right. case. It was never confusing as to what's going on. Um, that being said, it, do, it will take a couple watches to pick up on everything because there's little tiny right. stuff here and there that aren't necessarily involved with the plot, but they are important to the storyline and they have relevance. So I'll have to watch it a couple more times to really get a feel for it. Um, and I think Absolutely. listeners will too, and it's definitely worth a watch. Absolutely. I think your point of complex, but also definitely like understandable and, and watchable is, is a good point because Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite actors, not going to lie. I love his work. He does amazing stuff. And I think you're absolutely right with how this movie definitely rides that thin line of like too much, you know, mm-hmm. but actors the thing or is, directors? Is like actors, uh, sorry, directors, okay. Christopher Nolan, favorite director. Did, did I say actors? You said actors and then I wasn't sure. I'm like, well, I'm not Oops, sorry. huge familiar with Christopher Nolan. I could be okay. wrong. But... Okay. <laughs> director, yeah. director. Okay, yeah. Understood. And so this movie, I feel like just rides that line so perfectly of just enough Hollywood to make real life entertaining, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the math of it, the science of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like mean, it. it was, it does, it does good. It job. is. I, I, that's a, a great point. We never really talked about it before and I don't want to waste a ton of time on it, but just like the time dilation, like from what I know of documentaries and I did some reading on the movie, it's, the time dilation stuff is all real. Like that's all real life stuff that really happens. It's just not as extreme as the movie says. Right. Um, you know, for the gravity to be high enough for, you know, one hour, seven years, the the planet would destroy itself. Like it, if gravity was right. that, that strong, like it's not realistic, right. but it was also, it's, it's okay. They did a good job with it. It's not so unrealistic that it's not believable. Exactly. Um, and which exactly. makes the movie really, it's an, it's an easy watch. 
Absolutely. It's a big chunk of time, but it's so worth it. <laughs> yes. That's All right, true. Ben, what are your thoughts? What what is what is your rating out of ten? What do we got? All right. So I'll say I started off at I will say it earned a solid nine. Nine. Um, about two nice. thirds of the way through the movie. And I, I think it didn't ruin the movie, but the business with him going into the black hole, I think I will knock that down to an eight at that point in the movie. Oh, okay. okay. Just, it right. didn't, it's not bad, but it just, it lost me a little bit. And that's like the realism that we were just talking about. It kind of lost a little right. bit of that in that aspect there. Um, it was going way out on a limb. So I would say it, it was a solid nine. It dropped down to an eight, but it's a solid eight through the end. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And 10 out me, of 10 I'd would have... recommend. But yeah, okay, that's awesome. That's actually a good point. That's a good point. 10 out of 10 would recommend for me as well. Uh, but my final rating of the movie in general is probably a nine. I could see, I, I would agree with you as a first watch, probably an eight. Mm-hmm. But after me watching it multiple times, it's definitely a nine because I look for, so much more forward to the entire movie up to that point where that, like I enjoy the movie so much now that that last part isn't a problem for me. Gotcha. So understood. If that makes sense, like first time watching, I w- I would totally understand. But I just like the movie too much after multiple watches to to dock it anymore. So, all right, nine for me, eight for Ben. But he definitely enjoyed it. So Interstellar, go out watch it. Thanks so much for sticking with us on this haphazardness of a review. But hey, <laughs> it's fun. We appreciate you guys so much. As always. You can find us on your favorite podcasting apps, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Apple uh, uh, pod- Podcasts. We're out there. Sorry, I kind of choked up a little bit. Uh, thank you guys so much for all your support. If you have a movie you want us to watch or anything to let us know, want to be a guest or a future topic on the show, give us an email at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. Oh, anything uh, else, big guy? Oh, what's up? Nope. Yep. Yep. I do have something else. Uh, we never oh, talked yeah. about it. Uh, the week after this show comes out we actually will be taking that week off yes so so next week yeah there won't be a show good call because uh i will be getting married ben will be there beside me not getting married uh, we're we're not marrying each other it's no one's (laughs) getting married and i'll just i'll be there yeah yeah he'll be he'll be on the other side of me right michelle michelle will be on my (laughs) michelle will be in front of me ben will be behind me right i just want to clarify on that right ben will be on top of me and then right um <laughs> sorry that that so, was weird but yeah i Shouldn't think we'll, we'll be back with some more movies uh yes the week the two shows after that we'll end up having what is it uh dog day afternoon and forbidden yep. planet but they will be forbidden after planet. a week break yep yep so understandable but we appreciate everyone sticking with us so get prepared for more movie recommendation extravaganza all right anything else big guy no nope. after that fact that was a fun movie with a fun review absolutely thank you guys so much thank you ben for being honest glad you enjoyed it my friend love it all right good stuff Okay, I started the outro. Let it play for a little bit. All right, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll talk to you next week. Wait, in a couple weeks. A couple weeks, yep. Yeah.